Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I am the lead communicator here at DHC. Thanks so much for being here um, and braving the drive-in probably with the rain. I don't know if you know, but it was like uh, in Florida, it's a hurricane one minute and the next minute the sun is shining. So it was just one of those mornings this morning. And uh, it was kind of crazy. I looked out the front windows of the museum and it was like a monsoon. And like I went around and I came back out and it was a clear as day day. So thanks for making it in. Hey, we are right kind of on week two here of a new message series that we're doing called Revolutionary. And Revolutionary is really going to be cool and it's going to be transformational for our church and we hope your life because we are taking a look at some of the best and most profound and impactful words that Jesus ever said. In fact, we're taking a look at something called the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you may have heard of that before. If you haven't, this is called the Sermon on the Mount, what we're looking at, because Jesus gave this message on the side of a mountain. In fact, historically it was said that he gave this message on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. So if you want to do a little bit more research or Google or check something out to find out where that is so you have context for what I'm talking about, you can. Because the Sermon on the Mount was this thing that actually changed everything in the history of humanity. These words that Jesus spoke on this day on the side of this mountain actually changed everything that we know about life and about humanity and how we treat other people and how like countries were formed and governments were formed. These words changed everything in the history of humanity. And they were so radical, they were so different that we could think of nothing else to call this series but revolutionary because what he said changed everything. And last week, if you didn't hear it and you want to catch up, you can go ahead and listen at SoFloChurch.com. But we talked about these things called Beatitudes. And Beatitudes were these things that meant supreme blessings and what you were to do if you wanted the supreme blessing of God in your life and what that would look like. Furthermore, we took a look at the difference between blessings and success, which was so important. And I got a call or a text this week from somebody who attends Downtown Harbor Church. And this person said to me, you know, for the first time ever, I just felt freed of my successes, that it was okay to be successful. And that's different than the blessing of God and what that might look like. So that's really important for us to understand. So if you didn't uh, and you weren't here last week, maybe you want to catch up, you can do that because it was a really cool time that we all had together. Um, but this week, we're going to talk about something else that Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, it's a simple yet profound idea. It is a simple yet so like mind-blowing thing when we think about it. And Jesus today is going to talk about a mineral. He's going to talk about a mineral that I frankly love a lot, okay? And we're going to talk about this mineral today. And then we're going to talk about this thing that is so simple yet so kind of profound. He's going to talk about something that we can't even touch, right? It doesn't, something that doesn't even really exist, but it exists. And how are we to look at that in a, in, in a different way? And so today we're going to talk about salt and light, Two very simple things, but very profound things when we actually look about, when we actually take a look at what he said about it. And those of you who know me know that I love salt, right? It's just one of those things that I do. Like, I know it's bad, and like medical professionals, or like if we're ever out to dinner with somebody, like they're like, listen, you better cut that out. That is not good for you. Like, I will salt like individual tortilla chips sometimes. Like, I gotta, I gotta cut that out, right? But here's the deal we're gonna talk about it today. Because Jesus talked about this really kind of very simple mineral that can change kind of everything when you look at it the way he looked at it. Here's what he said. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. If you have a scripture, you can take it out and follow along with this, or you can look on your smart device, or if you don't, that's totally cool. We always put it up on our screen so you can take a look. 
So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has this group of people gathered around him, and he's delivering this radical, revolutionary message. And here's what he said. He said to them, you are the salt of the earth. Stop for a second. If we go back to last week, remember, if he talked about the supreme blessings of God, the first thing he said was, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they long for their need for God. Recognizing that they actually can't do everything on their own, that there's a system bigger than themselves, a creator they might not even understand, but that Jesus represented him here on earth, and so they recognize their need for a God. And then they went through those blessings, and now here we are. So he says, once you have done that, once you recognize, that let me describe who you are right when you live how I've taught you to live let me tell you who you are you are the salt of the earth and think about that have you ever known anyone who was the salt of the earth have you ever known anyone who because that's an expression that really means like a good person or someone who is just generous or who gives of themselves for other people you are the salt of the earth now I will tell you this you have probably also known a lot of people who are not the salt of the earth, and you know what people like that are like. But Jesus said, no, you guys, after you've done this that I say, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt, this is where he kind of changes things, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's a profound thing that he's saying. Wait, wait a second. You are the salt of the earth. You are going to go and love your neighbor as yourself and do all these things that I'm telling you to do. It's going to make this world here, earth, a better place. You are the salt of the earth. But what if it loses its saltiness? He just does that with words, and it kind of twists our mind, and it's so powerful when you look at actually what he's trying to say. But before we go to what he says next, I did a lot of research as I planned this message for this series. I did a lot of research on salt, which is important for us to understand. Furthermore, I did a lot of research on the people of the time who he would have been talking to. Remember, the people who were gathered and he was speaking to were probably all ancient Jewish people. And so I, I looked at, why, why would Jesus talk about salt? Why would he say that? Because every word and every phrase that he said was constructed so carefully. So why would he use that phrase? Well, what I found was that salt was extremely important to these people of the time. Remember, this was a couple thousand years ago. They did not have what we had today. So for them, salt was a key ingredient. Salt was so important to their life. Salt was important for flavoring food. Salt was important to them. It was so key in their life. And Jesus said, you, you who are followers of mine now are the salt of the earth. You are a key ingredient to the earth. And salt was so important to them. Because they didn't have Publix back then, right? And I love Publix. Like, if you know me, you know I love my Publix. And if you've been to Publix, you know you love the spice aisle. Because, like, how'd they get all those? Like, I'm looking. And I, but they didn't have that back then. There was no rosemary thyme, you know, they could get in the aisle six, whatever, right? But salt was a key ingredient to their life. Let's stay ADD for a second here. Publix, okay. Um, if you go to Publix and like you normally don't do the grocery shopping in your home, like I feel like I'm in like the middle of Beijing, right? I have no idea where I'm going. And they always move stuff. Why are they moving stuff? Like I went to go get something one day and like, oh, we moved that to aisle 12. I'm such a hot mess in Publix. I have no idea what I'm doing at any moment. Back to the message. Okay, so going back now. 
Salt was this key ingredient to these people's lives, right? It was so important. Not only was it a key ingredient, but it provided flavor, right? It provided flavor for things back then. That's how important it was. Salt, or also what I wanted you to know about salt, salt was also for these people used as a preservative. It was used, it was so essential to their life. Salt was actually essential to their living, essential to their daily life. That's why Jesus talked about it, because it was so, so important to these people. And he said, think of how important salt is to your life as you live your daily living. Now, as followers of mine, that is how important you are to the world you are the salt of the earth. That's how important it is. So you don't want to lose your saltiness. And he's using all of these metaphorical terms for us to unpack and think about. These people must have just been mind blown by what they were hearing. This is what he said. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Meaning, you stop living the way Jesus has taught us to live. You stop living and understanding that he is who he said that he was and how he told us to live and love our neighbors as ourselves. When we don't do that and when we don't engage like that in our communities and our cities, it's better to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And what I want you to know, this is so important, that you, when you follow Jesus, when you follow Jesus and you listen to what he says, and then you do that in your life. When you follow Jesus, you play a key component on earth. You play such a role, a role that you don't even know you play here on this earth. Strictly because of saying yes, and then everything you do reflects your love for God and other people. You play a key component here on earth. Now, we don't necessarily ever at Downtown Harbor Church talk about politics and generally don't talk about current events. But in the moment here that we have, I found it appropriate to kind of just look at our world and look how important it is for us to do this and understand this because of all of the madness that goes on around us. Now, frankly, I will tell you, I don't think that things are any worse today than they were thousands of years ago. I just feel like we know about it more because of all of the forms of media that exist. But I will tell you this. Followers of Jesus who listen to what he said about loving individuals and your neighbor as yourself play such a key component here on earth. And when we lose the salt, when the salt loses its saltiness and we don't do that, madness erupts. That's why he said it. You are the salt of the earth, right? You are the salt of the earth. He wasn't just talking to them. He was talking to us. And then, as we kind of wrap salt, he takes a look at another thing that is just as powerful. He takes a look at light. He takes a look at light. And light is so powerful when we actually look at what light is. And I'm going to talk about that. But here's what he started to say. He said, you, look at all of them, saying, you guys, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You wouldn't light something in your home and then put a bowl over it. That would be the opposite of the purpose of light. He's telling people, you, you are the light of the world. 
He's telling these people, once you say yes and start doing what I'm telling you to do, you are the light of the world. You are different than everyone else. You act differently. You love differently. You have so much joy. You are the light of the world. He's talking to us and he's talking to the church. He's talking to us as individuals and he's talking to the church collectively. And I'm going to talk so much in the next few minutes about what that light looks like because it's so, so important. Because he said this, he said, instead, put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Put your light on a stand. Let it give light to everything in the house. In the same way, this is so important, don't miss this, this is the key. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light is so important. So what is light? What does light look like in your life? Hold on. I'm going to talk about some great examples of that in just a few minutes. But before I do, I want to kind of make a comparison. Light versus dark, okay? So one of the things that you will note in a lot of scary movies, which by the way, if you see my wife downstairs working with preschoolers, they're not permitted in my home. Like it just doesn't happen. Like I would like to watch one every now and then, but she is scared to death of like any kind of scary movie, right? And I started to think about these scary movies and what is in a lot of scary movies? What is in a lot of movies that provoke fear in people or it's a suspenseful situation? It's a lot of dark. Why? Because dark is scary. Dark is alone. Dark isn't how things were actually supposed to be. And when you compare light and dark, there is such a contrast between those two ideas and those two words and those two states of being that it's so important for us to understand. And here is why I wanted to talk about darkness before I actually talk a lot about light. Here's why I wanted to talk about darkness. Because modern day, the church doesn't really seem like a light to me. I told you all, if you've heard this story, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but I've said it before. I've done nothing in my adult life but work in churches. That's all I've done since I was 18 years old. I started at my first church, the staff position. And throughout my journey with the local church, I was so, so broken by this. I just thought, what is going on? Why is this a dark place? Why is this a place for judgment where we stiff arm people and tell them they can't come in? Why is this a place that is not helping their communities and they're only these walled off country clubs? Why is this a place that doesn't exist to love their neighbor as, them, as themselves? What is up with these places? Because to me, modern day, the church doesn't seem like a light. Modern day church seems more like dark. Modern day church seems more like dark to me. It's not what Jesus is describing. If you ask people, go out on the street and ask someone your opinion, their opinion of church. You've probably had people who you've talked to and they've said, yeah, I'm going to church in the morning. I'm, I'm, racking, I'm you know, rolling in early on Saturday. We're going to church in the morning. And people all around go like, what? Really? You? Like that happens, right? Because people think the church is dark. It's this place that isn't what it was supposed to be. So here's what you need to know about me. This completely and utterly broke my heart. God broke my heart over this. 
And so when we started Downtown Harbor Church, we said, finally, we have to create a place that can be a light in our city. We have to create a place where people can come in as they are to wrestle with things and understand and learn differently. We have to become a light rather than someplace that is dark. The stakes are too high. We cannot risk this. This broke my heart. And if you're like me and you've had any kind of bad experience with church, you understand this. So we're supposed to be a light not dark. We're supposed to go away from darkness, not run toward it. So Jesus went on. He said, in the same way, let me see, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, good deeds, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's what I want you to know. What you do with the life that you have matters. Jesus is saying, listen, don't just think about what happens next because you all are never going to always understand the context of what's coming next after this ends and you take your final breath. Don't miss that what you do with the life you have matters. It matters more than we even kind of understand and think it matters. And you've heard me say this before if you've been around downtown Harbor Church. What you do matters. And so you want to know what I want this place and us to be like? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about light. I want us at Downtown Harbor Church. I want our kids and our volunteers downstairs who are just serving, and it's awesome. I want us to have so much joy that people from the outside look in and go, what is wrong with those people? Why are they so happy? I want us at Downtown Harbor Church to have the best relationships and marriages that we can have in our entire city to the point where people from the outside look and go, I don't know what those people have, but I want it. Those people who are happy and loving other people and weird because of it, I want that. I want us to be so excited to come in these doors and to engage with each other and to build community here that people go, I don't know where they They've made friends like the ones they have there, but that's what I want. That's the light that we need to be. And I want Downtown Harbor Church to be a place where people go, I love my city, and I want to do anything I can to make it a better place, and I want all of us to do that together. That is light. Darkness is going, this is a walled-off space for us. Don't come in. Darkness is saying, listen, I don't know if you don't believe everything we believe, but you're not allowed to be a part of what we're doing if you're questioning things or if you don't. That's darkness. That's why people go, I don't want to be a part of the local church. I can't. You guys have no idea. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? I'm sorry. I'm going to need some water here. Just kidding. Okay. But here's the deal. You guys have no idea how many people who've come in through the doors of downtown, Har downtown Harbor Church have said this to me. They said, We've been to the church. We're trying to find a place where we can just come and figure it all out. This is what we need to do, and what you do with this life matters. And furthermore, related to what goes on at Downtown Harbor Church, I would describe that light as doing good. I would describe that light as doing good for others. Jesus said it. Do good for others that you may glorify your Father in heaven. Because I'll tell you this. In my experience, the churches. With Christians, doing good generally hasn't been a top priority. And I'm going to make a bold statement next, but it's something that I believe in with all of my heart. If you follow Jesus and don't do good, you aren't truly following Jesus. If you do, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus 
and doing what you think you should do based on what he says, if you follow Jesus and don't do good for others and don't do good for your family and don't do, if you're not doing good, you're not truly following Jesus. Absolutely not. You must understand that doing good for others and being a light is essential for us doing what we do. That's why we did this. Because the local church across our world and across our country was declining. And we said, we've got to figure out what to do to do something different and better based on what Jesus said. So I want to make a, another kind of bold statement now. Because you might just sit there and go, well, why? Like, why, why, would, I, why would I do this? I mean, why do I even care? Like, what, what, what does this mean for me? Well, I care. I'm going to tell you why I care. See, nobody's ever seen God. It's just the word that we use to describe this awesome supreme being that is so big that we could ever grasp or imagine. We, I mean, we could never imagine or grasp how big God is, right? But we did see God in the form of Jesus, and Jesus is gone. He's no longer here. But I believe that he is who he said that he was. And so therefore, let me tell you what happens from that point. As soon as Jesus was gone, what kind of happens is, is that Jesus is now represented his message, him, here on earth by who? Us. By the church. By individuals. And I'm not going to get into a theological thing about the Holy Spirit. We could talk about that. If you've been in church, you've probably heard about that before. That's for another time down the road in that message. But what I do believe is that when people on the outside look to see who God is, who do they look to? The church. And they go, if that is what God is like, I don't want anything to do with it. But if this is what Jesus called us to do, we act like it, people want to engage because people see God by seeing us. That's how people see God. That's how people know who God is because the people who know him represent we say this as it relates to kids and teenagers, and we say it a lot because that's why we put adults in kids' lives who, um, who know God so that they can have conversations and unpack difficult things together. But we say this. We say the best way for a person to know God is to know someone who knows God. And if all we're doing to the outside world or to culture is representing God as this tyrant bigot who says no to everything and is a protester, why would anyone want to be a part of that? The problem is that's how we've represented him, but it's the exact opposite of who Jesus existed to be. It's the exact opposite. So therefore, what happens? People look at the local church and they go, mm, I'm good. Why? Because it's dark can't be a part of that problem is what we've created post 1800 america and who jesus actually was are completely opposite the best way for a person to know god is to know someone who knows god and we want to represent that light to our city that light to our communities that light to our families so we should do good for others don't miss this you should do good for your family. You should do good for your spouse. You should do good in your job. You should treat others with goodness. Not just because 
I'm up on this stage telling you to do it, but because Jesus said to do it, and here's why he said to do it. We should do good things so that people may see that God is good. So rarely do I stand on this stage and issue challenges. I don't do that a lot because we're a casual place where we're all kind of learning together, but I'm going to challenge you this week to do this, to do good things. Now, I'm not, just, a lot of times when we say this, we go, okay, well, we're going to give a homeless guy a couple of bucks. It's kind of what we think about. That's good. We're going to volunteer somewhere. That's good. I mean, I want you to take this a step further. I want you to do good things so that people can see that God is good. I want you to reconcile with someone who doesn't deserve your forgiveness. I want you to randomly send someone a card just telling, you, telling them that you're thinking about them. I want you to do something good for someone else. I want you to do something good for a coworker who doesn't deserve it. I want you to do good so that people can see that God is good. Because Jesus said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and then what? and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, people who come to Downtown Harbor Church have asked me, hey, God has changed my life. What do I do? What do I do to say thank you? God has changed my life. How do I glorify him? How do I say thank you back to him? What do I do? I think Jesus is pretty clear. So here's what I want to leave you with. We kind of wrap this message, and you understand this. Here's what I want to leave you with. Do good for others. Do good for others. And in turn, you are glorifying God. This is what Jesus said. He goes, hey, here's the deal. You should pray. That's great. You should come to church and engage. That's awesome. You should do that. Come a lot. You really want to show God that you love him? Why don't you turn your effort and attention to other people? Do good for others, and in turn, you are glorifying God. Be a light to this broken world. Be a light to your city. Be a light to your family. Do good for others so that people can see that God is good, because our God is a good God. We saw that represented in the life of Jesus, and too many people don't want to be a part of this. So this week, do good for someone else. Do it in a radical way. It might be just giving somebody a couple of bucks, but maybe, just maybe, God laid something on your heart that you need to do. Do good for others, and in turn, you are glorifying God. Salt, essential to living. You, don't miss this, because I'm talking to you now, just like Jesus talked to those people. Here's what I want you to know, because he said the same thing to all of us we need to hear. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. You're different. You're unique. This world needs you. We need more joy and more peace and more hope and more love and more restoration and more redemption. This world needs you. So go and then love your neighbor as yourself. Do good for others. And in turn, you are glorifying God. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I am just thankful for who you are and what you do. And um, this idea of salt and light is um, just so profound yet simple and we're thankful for that truth and we're thankful that you stood on this earth 
and told us exactly what to do and who we are and why that's important for us to go spread that love to a world that so desperately needs it. And God, we love you and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Today, help each one of us to do that. Today, help each one of us to go and figure out how to go do good for others, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. That's what you told us to do, and we want to do it. So help us. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.